Hey, I'm Emily. And I'm Emily. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Coming Up Roses. Okay, so I'm going to, we're going to pause and then I'll know where to cut it. So, you good? Yes. Ready? Okay. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, I am here today with someone I've talked about on the podcast before and that is my lovely BFF, Anna. Hi, I'm happy to be here. She actually listened to old episodes today in preparation, um, which cracked me up. So today, I know today, well, we're actually recording this on election day, we're recording this on election night. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I think that everyone can agree upon is that for most of us younger voters, we have a lot of big decisions coming up in our lives. Both of us are college seniors. We're graduating um, in May, and we have a lot of big life-changing decisions coming up. And I kind of talked about that last week with Toby in terms of relationship. But today, I want to talk about finding your passion and turning it into something that you can like continue to live for beyond whatever like this moment. Because I feel like I, growing up, I always had like a passion of the moment. You know, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to be a marine biologist. I think everybody has <laughs> the marine biologist fantasy. <laughs> I was scared of the ocean, though. Oh. Because I, I got bit by fish when I was little, and so then I was, like, kind of scared of it. <laughs> okay. But anyways, so today we're just going to be talking about taking your passion, taking what has impacted you in your life, what you feel strongly about, and turning it into something sustainable for your future. So... To start off, I'm just going to have Anna kind of talk about her story because I know it and I love it, but I want you all to know it. Well, thanks. Yeah. Um, So my story pertaining to my passion um, really starts when I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore in high school um, and I started to have some pretty severe gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, So really bad stomach aches. Um... I couldn't really keep any food down. I had some pretty intense fatigue, um, some other symptoms that are not um, super fun for everyone to hear about, so I will spare you guys those, but just a lot of stuff to do with my digestive tract, um, and very quickly, um, within 12 days of my symptoms starting, um, I had a diagnosis of severe ulcerative colitis, which is a um, chronic illness. It's a type of inflammatory bowel disease. Um, So it affects my large intestine and causes permanent damage. Um, So a few days after my diagnosis, we tried different medications. I was hospitalized. Um, Nothing was working and my my illness was just getting worse and worse. Um, So I had major abdominal surgery. Um, I had a total colectomy to remove almost all of my large intestine. And since then, I've tried many medications and therapies and things like that to get um, myself back on track. Um, My life has changed a lot, um, having a chronic illness. Um, So now I work to advocate for people like me, people that have chronic illnesses, physical, mental, emotional, um, things like that. Um, But it all started when I was 15, and I I felt so hopeless and and so alone in that moment. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that I didn't want anyone else to ever have to feel as alone as I did Mm -hmm. and I was going to do everything in my power to change that for people um and I guess that's kind of how I got to where I am today doing a lot of advocacy work and working a lot with different nonprofits, um 
health-wise, I still have flare-ups of my illness. It is chronic, like I said, so it's never going to go away. Yeah. Um, there's not a cure as of right now. Um, so I'm on a, a maintenance medication, and I see uh, my doctors regularly. I'm living my life. Um, I'm, I'm making my dreams come true, even if it's a little bit different for me than someone who's physically healthy. Um, but I'm just really happy to be where I am right now. What I love so much about Anna is, first of all, when I met her, despite her being very vocal about her illness, <laughs> yes, um, I like. I mean, it's not something you can obviously see, but when we lived in the sorority house together, and I remember one time you were like, I'm just like so tired all the time. And I was like, I have to remind myself that you have a chronic illness because you just like live your life and are an amazing person and do so much that like... It is just so amazing to see your life. And Anna's also on Panhellenic with me. And she's the most overqualified person we've ever had on Panhellenic. <laughs> Stop it. Um, Stop it. <laughs> and it's just so amazing to me because sometimes I'll be like, but like, I don't want to go to class. And like people like Anna wake up every day and do more than I do. And I'm over here complaining about my, my bad rib, my riblet in my back that always is messed <laughs> up. But um. The first thing I want to kind of talk about is dealing with adversity now. So obviously you got your diagnosis and that was like a big hurdle for you to jump over. But like you said, you saw flare ups and people, we were actually talking about this before we started. People don't always believe the symptoms of your illness because you're, first of all, like so vibrant and you live your life normally, but also because people don't always understand it. So how do you deal with adversity now as, as you know, a 21-year-old and in college and things like that? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the biggest struggles for me personally, like Emily, you were saying, is that fatigue. And um, it's not just, oh, I'm tired because I'm in college and I'm doing a lot of different things. It is constant every day. I go to bed tired. I wake up tired. And it's really hard um, for someone who doesn't have a chronic illness to understand that. But it is just debilitating fatigue that there are times that I just cannot do anything Mm -hmm. um so one way that I really found to kind of overcome adversity personally is I just have to advocate for myself um and that's and that's something that I'm I enjoy doing so it's easy for me um I love speaking up for myself and others I mean there are people that it's really hard that part of having an illness is really hard um but I just I when I need a break I tell people in my life that I need a break and Mm -hmm. Um, I'm blessed with a good support system. You and all of my other friends at school and my family, they all do their very, very best to understand. Um, So I do have a lot of people in my life that really are doing everything they can to help me. Um, And I do come across people that aren't like that and people that, um, you know, either don't have my best interest in mind or just don't really try at all to understand what I'm going through. Um, And I just have to treat them with grace like everybody else. And I'd be lying if I said there weren't times that I just, you know, want to yell at people or, you know, slap them across the face. You know, it it does. (laughs) It crosses my mind sometimes. But just um, remembering that it's just a lack of knowledge. They don't know Mm -hmm. how I feel and what I'm going through and just kind of approaching that with grace. And that's been tough right now. Um, I'm sure you can imagine with COVID, it's not the easiest time to have a chronic illness. Um, You know, people with pre-existing conditions or um, people Mm -hmm. um, who are immunocompromised, which I also am, um, have been made to feel a little bit less important than um, healthy people right now, Um, especially back in March and April. Um, And once again, just 
you know, every once in a while, I do have to go off on Facebook or, you know, Instagram, and I just can't hold my tongue because I am 21 and I'm still learning um, how to be an adult at all times. Um, but just really approaching um, life with grace as much as I can and learning from the people around me that are showing me grace and realizing that people just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. And if I can educate people and help them learn more, that's going to help a lot. Um, it's going to help me and it's going to help them. So. One of the things we've talked about before, Emily and I, is, yeah, like, advocating for yourself. Like, advocating Mm -hmm. for what you need and, like, what you want. And that's something that I think you've modeled really well. Because even just, like, with mental health stuff, which I've talked about before, like, people people don't automatically assume they've got something going on. Like, we should walk like that, but we we don't, you know, because we just focus on ourselves and... So I think you've modeled that really well, but it is Thank you. hard to advocate for yourself and like, yeah. be like, I need a break. And people are like, well, why? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why don't you want to go out to the bars this weekend right. without a mask mm-hmm. during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that is hard. And I can imagine too that it has gotten easier now that you're older, that you're not 15, but... Yeah. College kids still are not the most understanding people in the world. Yeah, and it has in a lot of ways gotten easier, but I think they've also become more outspoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to bite my tongue sometimes and realize, like, I mean, I like I said before, just you don't know what you don't know. Um, and I have to remember that and, and bite my tongue when I really want to scream at someone for not understanding. I have to realize that I have this unique lived experience just Mm -hmm. like everyone else and no one knows what I'm going through besides me. Um, So doing my best to advocate for myself and really relay that to other people Mm -hmm. is going to help a lot with all my relationships. Yeah. And I think it's important too, like if you have the space to like advocate for yourself, like, hey, you can't say that to me Mm -hmm. or, you know, you can't do that around me because I've got this going on or, you know, I need this because I have this. People, like, learn from that. Right. Like, people will learn to be better. Like, my Panhellenic advisor before the one we have now, she was the first person I had ever, like, heard in my life be like, no, I will not respond to work emails on the weekend. And I was like, what a concept. And so Mm -hmm. then I started taking a break on the weekend. And, like, I've talked about this before. Like, now I took, like, a whole Sabbath. Like, I don't do any school stuff for an entire day. And so... That's, like, a very small, like, positive example. But, like, people do learn from you advocating for yourself. So, yeah, definitely. That's a great way to think about adversity, not, like, people are never going to understand, like, make them understand. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So, speaking of, like, advocacy, talk about what you do now. All <sighs> your big things. My my favorite topic. Um, so, one of my biggest passions in life right now um, is the work I do with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. It's the national um, nonprofit organization that um, supports patients of Crohn's and Colitis. Um, I am on their National Council of College Leaders. Um, it's 15 to 19, depending on the time of year, um, college students from across the country. Um, and we all come together to work on advocacy, education, fundraising projects. Um, it is the most amazing, resilient, inspirational group of young adults I have the privilege of knowing. Um, they have absolutely changed my life. Um, so I meet with them you know, on a monthly basis and we discuss different projects that we're working on and we get to um, roll things out on a national level, which is really awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've just really loved being involved with that. I'm also, like Emily said, um, on Panhellenic with her 
at our university. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am the vice president of service and philanthropy. So once again, I work with all of our chapters, um, philanthropic organizations, um, just really using that um, as a way to kind of get tap into our community and um, really foster that passion for service and philanthropy. Um, I um, volunteer um, at the Ronald McDonald House in town. So I just, I I do a lot um, just because it's, for me, really been a coping mechanism. Um, and I know it sounds cheesy, but I get so much, so much from it, um, mm-hmm. even more than I'm, I'm giving, um, just to have a community of like-minded people and people who understand what I'm going through. And, um, it's just been such a blessing in my life, all of my different, um, opportunities that I've had. Mm-hmm. If you don't follow the NCCL on Instagram, you should because I'm a big fan of their Instagram. One of their biggest. Oh, thank you so much. It's um, at Crohn's and Colitis <laughs> Campus Connection on Instagram. Um, check it out. I'm on there quite a bit. So. She is. But <laughs> it's cool from an external perspective because I remember when you like applied for this and interviewed for it and everything. Um, and like when you first got on it. But oh, best day ever. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> Like, I've learned a lot from just, like, fault, like your experience, like, mm-hmm. just the work that you guys do, but also just, like, learned a lot more about just how many college students are affected by yeah. this chronic illness. And also, what's cool, I think, is it's just, like, a group of like-minded people. And so when it comes to anything, like, the pandemic or voting or holidays or you know, racial tension, like, it's just like-minded people getting more education, so it's been super cool to see, like, have, watch Anna be part of that outlet, and, like, have that, like, perspective in my life, um, and yeah, Anna is, like, the queen of philanthropy on campus, like I said, (laughs) she was overqualified for Panhellenic, and we said that after her interview, (laughs) I interviewed her, Um, stop it, I learned so much being a leader in the Panhellenic community, and invaluable um skills and opportunities that I wouldn't have anywhere else yeah um which I don't think makes me overqualified I I think it means that it was the perfect fit for me and that I've just been able to learn so much in that position yeah no it's it's been really cool and um what's cool about NCCL too is it's like nationwide like you're not just doing work like here in Kansas City you're doing work everywhere so kind of bouncing off of that Mm -hmm. talk about like some of your future goals with foundation or just like philanthropy or just what you want to do when you yeah so if the crohn's and colitis foundation is listening and wants to give me a job (laughs) um in may just let me know (laughs) no um i i I would love to work in the nonprofit field um patient advocacy patient education a lot of stuff i'm doing now fundraising um something like that i have an internship for next semester um with a nonprofit in town that's going to be working on um event planning fundraising all um that fun kind of stuff um, I've, I've toyed around with the idea of starting my own nonprofit. I don't know if this is act, uh, necessarily the economic climate to do so, um, but that's something that I would think about doing in the future. Um, but I just definitely have always had a passion for, um, helping others and the nonprofit field has just been an awesome outlet for me to do so. Um, there's so many, so many cool, um, nonprofits where we live. So I think it'd be really cool. Um, to work in at a local nonprofit, um, like I said, doing patient advocacy, um, just really helping people, um, passing the mic, helping people speak up for themselves, yeah. and um, teaching people how to advocate for themselves and things like that. Um, so no cement, um, concrete plans yet, but um, definitely somewhere in the nonprofit world. Um, 
hopefully making a difference. That's kind of the theme of everyone's oh. postgrad plans is, well, <laughs> Absolutely. you know, this economic climate. <laughs> the world is crazy, so we don't know. <laughs> yeah. We know even less than last year's seniors. Um, but obviously, I've talked a little bit on the podcast about my future plans, which are very up in the air. Mm-hmm. But Anna has a little bit more of a focus. And why do you think it's so important to in college, in the midst of everything going on, when you experience chronic illness symptoms daily, like why is it so important to still stay focused on what your goals are? And why is it so important to like keep chasing after that daily? Because it's like a daily commitment yeah, to like yeah, do all that. Definitely. Um, I think one of the main things for me um, is that these are the things that are getting me through these classes that I'm taking. Yeah. I, I love my major. I'm majoring in health sciences and I love it. Um, but, you know, when you're a senior, those those classes can, you know, get kind of boring and senioritis can really set in. So when I'm when I'm in class, I'm doing it to get a degree. But when I'm um, out really helping people, whether it be volunteering or working with the NCCL or doing things for Panhellenic, that is just every single day reaffirming why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm going to college, why I'm doing all of these things. It's to help patients. It's to help people that don't know what they're doing they've been thrown into this chronic illness world their life has been changed in an instant and they just don't know what they're doing um Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important for me to keep going and to keep helping others um just so I keep that passion up Mm -hmm. um I I think that there's this misconception in our society that a passion is just this thing that's amazing and you're always going to love it but I think it is something that requires a little bit of maintenance Mm -hmm. um just like any relationship um you know, you can love someone so much, but you still have to always keep working at that relationship. It's the same thing with um, my relationship with the nonprofit world. I love it and I always will, but it's something that I just have to keep working at and really get my foot in the door and and see how I can be a unique asset to the nonprofit mm-hmm. world. Um, so just really trying to um, keep, keep going at it and um, keep up my interests and really get as involved as possible before I graduate, yeah. um, get my name out there. It yep. is, it, it's an interesting field in the fact that, um, a lot of people are wanting to do it now. There's a big, there's a big shift to, um, people really wanting to work nonprofit. Um, so it's, it's, it's a competitive field and there's a lot of turnover. So, um, just from a logical standpoint, really getting my foot in the door and making sure I have, um, um, some experience that I can give, and some insight that I can provide if I ever um, go into an interview or anything like that. So I can just be like, hey, look at me. I am qualified and you should hire me. Give me so, a job. <laughs> yeah. A logical standpoint just makes me look better to employers. <laughs> yeah. And I really like what you said about maintenance because I think that's a similarity I see with dance is I do not wake up every day wanting to take ballet in my home with my kitchen island as a ballet bar right. <laughs> like it's still my passion and if you ask me if I love it I'll probably say yes but that morning maybe I don't love it as much and yeah I think just like doing those like daily disciplines like class studying for exams like going to volunteer when you really don't feel like it like those are things that will get you to where you want to be and mm-hmm. I think it's where a lot of people trail off in their passion yeah like so many people come out of college with like hopes and dreams and they don't care about how much money they're going to make and they have a passion and then it just gets hard Mm -hmm. and it's expensive to it's very expensive to be in a field that's not going to pay very much Mm -hmm. um we we we're in the same boat there girl (laughs) let me let me tell you if we ran for the money we'd be in the wrong field both of us yes yes (laughs) um but no like the the maintenance side of it is definitely real and it is like a relationship yeah um 
yeah, like this week I've not loved dance as much because I've been at home. Mm-hmm. You know, I would probably love it more if I got to be in the studio on a real dance floor with a real ballet bar. But yeah, that would that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> in a perfect world. <laughs> it you know yeah in a perfect world we do not live in a perfect world. So no. I will continue using my slippery surfaces to do point work. There you go. The last like real talking point I have before we do our little rapid fire question segment I've recently added. I'm excited Toby. for that part. Toby did not go fast enough though. I did listen to Toby's and his was more like a marathon than a sprint. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, was Toby, like, if you're listening, I was not impressed and I do plan to be better at it than you were. <laughs> um so obviously you had a very like life altering experience that really honed in like your passion and like yeah, kind of pushing that direction. That but <laughs> Not everyone has a life-altering experience that necessarily plays into your passion. So how do you suggest people, like, hone in on what they're passionate about and kind of determine, like, where their heart really is if they don't have something so life-altering like that? Yeah. Um, I will start by saying, yes, it does help to um, almost die or have something have something similar um, you know, there's this really common question in the chronic illness community, and it's asked differently all the time, but it's along the lines of, if the day of your diagnosis, you could be given a pill, and you'd be cured, and none of this would have happened to you, would you take the pill? And overwhelmingly, the response in of people in the community is no, I would not, just because it really has shaped who I am today and what I want to do with my life. Um, but like you said, not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think one of the most valuable things I've been told is um it was like a pose as a question if money didn't matter what would you be doing Mm. and then take that and try to make it into your passion so when that question was asked to me the first time if money didn't matter what would you be doing I think I said talking to people and that's what I really enjoy doing and that even if it doesn't give me a specific passion it says okay I don't want a desk job if I don't want to work in a lab, I don't want to do something where I don't see people. I need to do something where I'm seeing people, helping people, um, something like that. And then beyond that, I think just getting out there and having experiences, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're young. I mean, we're young. We're mm-hmm. we're 21. We don't have our entire lives planned out yet, um, and you're not supposed to yet. So I think just internships and volunteering and having different experiences to really hone in on what you do like and figure out those things that you don't like um, moving forward can be really helpful so just living life having experiences um, taking different classes if you can if you have room in your schedule in high school and college um, taking different classes to see what you like because you don't know unless you try yeah Um, so if you don't have any life-altering experiences or big tragedies um, you (laughs) can still really find that thing that uh keeps you going and I think too what because I didn't have a life altering experience but I did have um a pretty intense hip surgery Mm -hmm. when I was 15 and I was like okay I cannot live without dance and then I was like okay so obviously this is something I need to keep going but for me too it was like visualizing what I wanted my life to look like and I was like Sitting down and working a nine to five, like I cannot fathom working a nine to five. I would rather start work at like 11. And I was like, well, dancers don't start work till like 11. Perfect. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Love it. So I think just to like visualizing what you want your life to look like and figuring out where that works. Cause like if you are motivated by money, then like go for that. Yeah, that, that is totally okay. Yeah. Cause we need the business bosses, we need them. 
They're just not us. They're not us. We clearly <laughs> don't care about money because neither of us are going to be making any. But <laughs> we need all kinds of people to make the world go around. So yeah, I think that's great advice. I think that's. I like hearing that perspective from you because like you did have that like life changing yeah. experience, but you also could have been like, "Oh, this is horrible," but I'm just going to not like take it for anything good. But you did, right. and it's... and I know people in the community that do that. They they become accountants, and yeah. I'm sure they're excellent accountants and they're great people. I mean, you don't have. To take this tragedy in your life and make it into something, but that's just what I needed to do for me, and that's mm-hmm. just what I really have found so much joy and and so much will to live in in this thing that happened to me, um, and that's just how I've how I've been so happy. Yeah. Well, now it is time once again <gasps> for the second ever rapid <laughs> fire questions. And um, the best. I'm gonna kill it. Well, I don't know. All right, first one, favorite food. Favorite food, um, pasta. <laughs> You're so fast. Favorite color, I already know the Yellow. Answer. Yep. Every time we see a yellow house, I have to be like, and I saw a yellow house. Uh, because that is one of my goals in life is to live in a yellow house. There's actually a lot around here. There are really so many. Cute. I would love to live in a yellow house here. That'd be amazing. On Rock Hill Road. Yes, on Rock Hill Road. Just love down it. the street from college, your college days. <laughs> Our sporty house. Our sporty house. <laughs> All right, next one. Best bachelor or bachelorette? Okay. Not, not worst. Best. Okay. Um, so I haven't been watching for that long. I am a fan now. I know you said don't say worst. I hate Claire. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked Rachel as the bachelorette. I thought she was really good. Yeah, that's a good answer. Thank you so much. Yeah, last week when I asked Toby, he goes, well, I don't know, but I know that Ari was bad. Oh, uh, he like, was the worst. Okay, duh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not great. <laughs> All right, how do you take your coffee? Um, fancy. <laughs> I like I like fancy lattes. I'm kind of a coffee snob, but if I'm doing like just regular drip coffee, I like um, almond or oat milk creamer. Yes, dairy free queen. I actually just bought a like I treated myself because it is my birthday month. To, yeah, it's November. Woo! To one of the Starbucks fancy creamers that they have at the Ooh, store. Yeah. I got the it's like almond and oat combined it's pretty good pretty good okay i have to go buy it sounds it's like five dollars i love that i love so i'm a coffee snob so i spend all my money on coffee it's fine um do you like hot dogs oh my gosh very important to me um so um for those of you that don't know um my least favorite thing about emily is that she likes hot dogs so much and that's a personality trait i Hate on it a lot, but I do enjoy the occasional hot dog. I just don't think I would ever ask for one, you know? I can't even buy them for like, myself because I would eat them all so fast. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, like, a chili dog every once in a while does hit the spot, but I would never seek out a hot dog. But I, I know that you love it, and it makes you happy, and in 2020, we are not being mean about them. that make people happy. So enjoy your hot dogs. <laughs> I literally never buy them for myself because I would just eat them so fast. That is so weird. <laughs> Yep. Last question <laughs> is, what is your favorite thing about me? And then I will say my favorite thing about you. Okay. I have two. <gasps> oh my God. One is like in a professional, I'm doing air quotes, professional sense, like with you being a leader in the Panhellenic community. 
And that is your transparency. I think you always, as a leader, are very transparent and you're honest and you say, hey, we're all human beings. We all struggle. This is what's going on. Um, and you give it to people straight, but you still lead with such grace and empathy, which I think is really um, inspirational. Um, and then as a friend in a personal life um, aspect, I think I told you this like yesterday or two days ago, um, but I think you are not a person that has all the time in the world, but you will always make time for me which is something that is really important to me. Um, oh, I don't want to get, I don't want to get choked up, but, um, you know, words of affirmation is my number one, um, love language quality time is my number two. I love being with people and, um, quality time is one that not everyone can give freely. And you do give it as if you can, as if you don't do anything in your life, you, um, always make time for your people. And if you don't have time for your people, you make sure they know that you're still there and that you still love them. Um, and that's something that you've always been a constant since I've known you. You're always there for me. I can always turn to you for absolutely anything, um, whether it be just hanging out or ranting about life or, you know, getting a hot dog from Sonic <laughs> um, and, and everything in between. You're just always there for me. And I, I don't know what I would do without a friend like you. Aww. And um, you always make sure that I have dance in my life because I used to be a dancer. Um, so you always include me in dance things and it makes me feel very special and loved. Anna came and cleaned my senior capstone piece last week and she took notes. (laughs) She whipped out her notebook in front of my dancers and was like, okay, let's start from the beginning. (laughs) I did. And she left and they were like, I didn't realize Anna was going to do that. And I was like, oh, I knew she was going to do that. Absolutely. I was like, I hope you guys weren't like thrown off. And they were like, I mean, we were thrown off, but not in a bad way. But it was just like, (laughs) we just like weren't expecting that. Yeah. I Um, did take notes. (laughs) So my favorite thing about Anna, um, just to kind of like sum this whole conversation up is just truly like how passionate she is. Like if she, if you are her friend, she is passionate about your friendship. If you give her a task, she will be passionate about it. Like. Being in Panelink, there's some things we have to do. Mm-hmm. There are events we hold that are not the most fun in the world, and they don't always pan out. But you go at everything with, like, your whole heart invested mm-hmm. into it. And that's something that has really inspired me and, like, I admire so much. Um, because a lot of people our age don't have that mentality. They're not like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to invest my, my, like, passion and love into this. And, like, you're someone that does. And I just think that's so amazing. And I hope you guys we're able to hear that just from Anna talking about it. Um, just as someone who's known her for four years now. Oh, that's crazy. We're so old. <sighs> for four years now. You were uh, my first college friend crush, by the way. I told them about that. You story. did. I, I wanted, did. To, I guess I didn't hear that episode. I wanted to be your friend so bad. <laughs> I was like, this girl has to be my friend and not really best friends. Um, <laughs> but just someone who's known Anna for four years, like I've gotten, I've been able to watch her like, you know, live through this chronic illness and, be on NCCL and then be the VP of philanthropy for our sorority. And then for Panhellenic, like, it's just so amazing to watch her passion, like, blossom and inspire me every day. And the reason I always end on that note is because I think it's so important to tell the people in your life why they're amazing. I don't just do it for an ego boost. Um, this is <laughs> why not, do you love me? <laughs> this, is, this is not, like, um, self, this is not self-love hour. It's just, I think it's so important to tell people in your life, like why they're amazing and why you care about them. I'm big words of affirmation in case you couldn't tell. Um, so it's a good gratitude check too. Yeah. For me to remember why I'm so blessed to have you in my life. Yeah. So do this with your friends as well. Yeah. Go do it right now. <laughs> finish, finish listening to the pod and yes. then go do it. <laughs> Share this podcast and then tell your friends that you love them. <laughs> Share this podcast. Follow me on Instagram. No, I'm kidding. Um, 
So thank you so much, Anna, for yeah. chatting with me. Thank you um, so much for having me. Again, we're literally recording this on election night, so we're both just like ignoring election results. We're nervous though. <laughs> just recording a podcast. I'm about to go make a little little dessert for her too. So yum. <laughs> you know, just so thankful for Anna in my life. Aww. And I am so excited for next week's guest as well. So I will see you guys next week. Well, you'll hear you'll hear me next week. I always say see you. Stupid it's a podcast. <laughs> We need a YouTube channel. Oh my gosh, love it. All right, bye guys. Bye.